Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Lord, thank you. <clears throat> thank you that you're here, God. We, we've been waiting for this moment, as you have, Lord, to come and gather as a family in this place. Thank you that you were here way before us, Lord. <laughs> you're more excited about us, I think, Lord, than we are about you. Thank you for that, God. Thank you that you have been speaking to us through this week. Even as we've come here, Lord, you've been preparing us for what you're going to do and what you have been doing. My prayer, Lord, is really that you keep saying what you want to say and keep doing what you want to do. I pray that we would remember the things that you speak to us, Lord, and that we would forget everything else, God. Would you speak loudest today, I pray, God. Thank you, God. You're so good. So good. Amen. So this week is kind of an in-between sermon. Uh, we start the new series next week, uh, but I want to kind of build a little bit on, or repeat in a way, some of the things that Greg spoke about in his uh, three-week series that he did called A Tree House and a Mountain. Um, my, my, the title of my talk today is Flourish in the Storms. I was uh, looking on my phone yesterday at Sky News and I saw there was a story that was, uh, the headline was Queen's Rep resigns. I don't know if you heard that story or saw that story, but there's a story, um, I think it was the Lord Lieutenant to the West Midlands, a representative of the Queen, who, uh, whose job it is to represent the Queen to the people, to bring the community together, etc. And um, he made a few disparaging remarks in an email that somehow got leaked to the Guardian newspaper, and as you know, uh, he ended up resigning. Uh, as a result of that. And I found it interesting, and this is really helpful for us as we get going today, uh, the, the primary reason why he resigned, and, and this was kind of his primary call, or his primary, primary role as uh, a representative of the Queen, was to uphold the dignity of the Crown. Now, if you were to read some of the things that he said, you might agree with some of them, and they might be true. But there's kind of a persona that the Queen wants to represent to the community. And his job is to join them together. And obviously, the result of his comments were unhelpful in terms of the dignity of the Crown. Do you understand what I'm saying? He had a role to do, and he failed in that role. And actually, he badly represented the Queen and all that she was trying to achieve in the community. It was a contrary message, if you will, to his job description. And I found that quite helpful as I thought about my message this morning, because I want to read today from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, and from verse 20, we're going to read a few verses into chapter 6 as well. And Paul is speaking to the Corinthians. Let's read what he says together. You can see it on the screen above me. He says, We are therefore ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, being Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hey, fantastic. We've been singing about this whole idea today, the grace of God, that Jesus came and as a result of his sacrifice, we can be counted as righteousness, God's own righteousness. 
Uh, he goes on in verse 1 of chapter 6. As God's, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. And I'll talk about that shortly. He says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's salvation or God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Paul carries on. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand, and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Wow. I think we haven't got a clue how hard it can be to live as a believer. Amen. He goes on. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. In spite of all of this hardship, they opened wide their hearts we are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts also. So as we kind of launch into my talk today, I want to just highlight a few things to keep setting the stage. The first thing Paul talks about, he uses the word ambassadors. We all know what an ambassador is, right? Someone from another nation, living in a nation, representing their home nation. Imparting the culture, imparting the values, representing their nation. Paul says, as Christians, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. When people look at us, what do they see? Do they see the kingdom or do they see what they see everywhere else in the world? That's what Paul's saying. We're a reflection of Jesus. Like the Lord Lieutenant was a reflection of the Queen, we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. People are watching. He goes on to say, we implore you, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. What he's saying there is saying, when you receive God's grace in vain, it's like saying to the world, hey guys, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm a believer. But actually when they look at your life, there's no fruit. 
He's saying, if you're going to take hold of this life and say and be proud of the fact that you follow Christ, make sure that your life shows that you follow Christ. Otherwise, you are believing in vain. Okay? So he says, you're an ambassador. Don't get saved in vain. Don't be a half-hearted reflection, is what he's saying. And he goes on to say why, in verse 3 of chapter 6, he says, we put no stumbling block. You know, people who don't go to church and who have a problem with faith, with Christianity, one of the things that they always say is, Christians are hypocrites. You know, when you profess something with your mouth and you do something else with your life, you're putting a stumbling block before everybody else who doesn't yet know Jesus, who might be open to having a relationship with Jesus, but being put off by the way that we live sometimes. And I say we because this applies to me just as much as to every one of us here. He says, we're ambassadors. Let's be who we say we are. Let's not discredit ourselves or the message that we carry. Amen. That's what God's calling us to as we get going today. What that actually means, because Paul goes on to list all sorts of difficult situations, what he actually means is we need to be able to commend ourselves in the good times and in the bad times. It's easy to be full of praise for God in the good times when the sun is shining, but people watch us just the same in the difficult times in our lives. Our lives are constantly sending a message, whether it's sunny or whether it's lashing down a storm in our lives. And he's making a point here, guys, no matter how you find me, this is who I am. No matter what situation I'm in, I want to reflect the glory of God in my life because I don't want to discredit myself. So my question today is, how can we be people who are fruitful in the storms of life? How can we be people who flourish in the storms of life as well as in the sunshine? Joseph is a fantastic example for us if you read in the book of Genesis. At 17 years old, his brothers sell him into, they fake his death, sell him into slavery. He gets sold on to a guy called Potiphar. He becomes a slave of a guy called Potiphar. Now obviously the situations in his life are horrendous. But he carries integrity and he gets promoted to be in charge of everything in Potiphar's house. If you don't know the story, Potiphar's wife takes a shining to Joseph and the Bible says day after day she tries to seduce him. But as a man of integrity he says no and he rebuffs her. And so she accuses him of trying to seduce him. And he runs out of her presence and she manages to hold on to the cloak that he was wearing. As a result of all of that, Potiphar believes his wife and Joseph gets put in prison where he's just a nobody, having done everything, having done everything right, basically, in the midst of his difficult situation. But again, his integrity and the favour of God is with him and he rises up and he gets put in charge of that whole prison. He interprets dreams and eventually he comes before Pharaoh and interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And he gets promoted 
to be number two in the whole nation of Egypt. It's an amazing story. Out of betrayal and rubbish and rags in his life, he beams Jesus or God through his life and the favor of God works its way out in his life till he's the second most important person in the nation of Egypt. And the effect that he has on that nation is profound through famine and all sorts of things. That journey took 13 years. 13 years as a slave and in prison. But he makes a beautiful, he says actually in Genesis 41, 52, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. I want to say today, that you can be fruitful even in the storms of your life. It's not a time to retreat and batten down the hatches and just grit our teeth and get through it. We can actually flourish in those times and be fruitful. That can be hard to believe at times. Amen? But it's true. Joseph's life, I've just summarized the 13 years of his life, is a prime example of how we can honor God in the sun and in the rain. Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God, and they will still bear fruit even in old age, they will stay fresh and green. That is a beautiful promise for us today. And I, I want to talk about the palm tree at this point in my message today because it's a significant tree. When storms rage and desolate an area, more often than not, it's a palm tree that you'll find still standing. You know? Why is it that a palm tree can withstand the storm? Why is it actually it's been proven that after the storm, palm trees are stronger and taller? It's a fact that the storms cause palm trees to grow stronger and taller. Two things that I want to mention. Palm trees have a fantastic root system firmly rooted into the ground and they have a very flexible trunk. Everything about a palm tree bends and that is a key to its springing back after the storm is finished. And Greg talked about the importance of us being rooted into the Word of God. I want to encourage you today when the storms blow in your life, the thing that helps you to stand and not break is the fact that you're rooted into the whole Word of God. Greg's going to talk about this question of can I trust the Bible in a few weeks' time. But I found it really significant when I was thinking about this actually. Some people like to take portions of the Bible, the difficult bits, and they like to say, I don't believe in that. And the point really that I want to make today is that God calls us to root ourselves into the whole Word of God. And the reason is this, when we start taking bits out, it becomes a matter of people's opinions. When we say that these difficult bits aren't really God's word, 
then we start to say we can't trust the whole of the word. And, and the biggest worry for me is how do we not get to the place where we start to doubt the key elements of the scripture? Like, does God really love me? Is his grace really what the Bible says it is? In the difficult times, is he really my strength and my shelter? Do you see what I'm saying? How can we hold on to some bits and then say other bits are rubbish and not get infected at some point in our lives when we begin to doubt the scriptures that say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? You've got to take the whole thing. Otherwise, you open yourself up to doubting every part. And the devil would love to trip you up and snag you and get you to doubt the fact that God is for you, that he loves you. Amen. So we need to be rooted in the whole word. The second thing that Greg mentioned, we need to be rooted into the house of God as well. We need to be in a church. Not just an attender, but part of the fabric. We need to be sewn and tied and rooted into a church so that people will miss us when we're not there. People will be there to care for us and pray for us. Those are the roots that help us to stay strong when a storm blows. Amen. The second thing that, I talked, or that we're talking about today is the whole idea of a, a flexible trunk. And I, I thought about this for a while and I was asking God how this applies and I really believe it comes down to the grace of God. That the fact that a tree can, like the palm tree, can flex and bend in the wind and bounce back. There's something in the structure of that tree that is different that helps it to do that. But I was thinking, what is it in the structure of our faith that helps us to bend and bounce back when the wind stops blowing? And I just truly believe God said, it's my grace. It's my grace. Without my grace in your life, your trunk will snap. Branches will break off of your life. You'll be battered by the storm. You'll become hard-hearted. You'll become bitter. You'll become a bad reflection of who I am. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient. That word sufficient means enough. God's grace is enough. We don't need to add anything to his grace. All we need is his grace working in our lives. For you, sorry, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, that word power is miraculous power. The miraculous power of God. For my power is made perfect. My miraculous power is released into your life in a complete way to complete the task that it goes out for. My grace is sufficient for you, he says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That word weakness talks about weakness of every kind. Whether it's a physical sickness in your body, whether it's an emotional sickness, whatever 
that scripture refers to weakness of all kinds. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to say, therefore, I will boast. I will boast about my weaknesses. You know what he's saying? It's not, he's not proud of the fact that he's a sinner. He's not proud of the fact that he's got sin in his life. But he's proud of the fact that when he recognizes he is unable to change that scenario in his life, the grace of God floods in. Are there areas in your life where you have been working so hard to become a better person for God, but you keep falling? And maybe decades later, there's still areas in your life where you keep tripping up, where you feel like I'll never be free in this area of my life. I just felt like I had a revelation as I was walking this morning to the office. And it was like God said, it's when you realize that you can't fix it. We're good at saying, Lord, I can't fix it, and continually trying to work it out in our own strength, aren't we? But we need to come to that place where we realize there's nothing that we can do. It's too big for us. It's too much for us. And that's hard for some of us. Because our pride wants to say, I can do this. I can stop wherever I want. And actually there's a strength in saying, I can't. I need your grace, Lord, in my life. <laughs> That's when the miraculous power of Jesus' grace is released in our lives. When we say, God, I can't. I've tried and we just say, it's all for you, Lord. That's when the Bible says his strength is released. And Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest. That word rest means fix a tent. Take up complete residence. You know, not here for a moment and gone. When we get to the end of our rope, then God's grace is established in our lives forever and at all times and in all situations so we need to be rooted and we need to be filled with grace we need to live in grace in our lives we need to stop beating ourselves up with a legalistic stick you know sometimes the worst stumbling block that we have in our own lives is ourselves where God can freely forgive us but we won't let ourselves go. And we act in legalism toward ourselves, we become brittle and hard. God's grace is not like that. We feel guilty about the fact that we can commit the same sins and God keeps forgiving us. But it's true. His arms are always wide open to us. And it's when we're at the end of our rope that his grace works freely in us. We need to step out of the way and let God's love and grace wash over us like waves. Wave after wave after wave after wave after wave washing over us and setting us free. It's in that place that we live as the kind of ambassadors that God wants us to be with humility in our lives. Amen. So I wanted to finish this morning with four areas. Four areas that I believe that storms blow 
four ways that they blow in our lives, four ways that our roots are assessed and where grace is assessed. The first, they're all T's if you're making notes, the first T is test. There are tests in our lives where our integrity and our character is measured. Where we can fail and where we can misrepresent the Lord. This is all about people seeing us as we are and being that same person when we're at home, when we're at work. They don't see two sides of us, our character and integrity. Proverbs 17.3 says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. There are times when we are in a testing time, when our character is being tested where our integrity is being tested because through that, per that process we're becoming more refined like gold and silver. One area for you to be aware of is your character. Your character. The second area is in the area of trials and all these T's are reflected in those numerous descriptions that Paul talks about in difficulties. Okay? Tests, the second area is trials. The things that press us and squeeze us and pressure our lives. The things that we have to withstand and persevere through. James 1 verses 2 to 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There are going to be seasons in our life when we have to grit our teeth, where we have to push our roots in a bit deeper and where we need to let the grace of God blow on us. The third area, I kind of shared a bit about it, is the area of temptation. There are areas in your life where you are vulnerable, where I am vulnerable. Areas of sin in our lives where we know we trip up the most whether it's thoughts that we have, whether it's words that we say, whether it's the way that we live, whether it's not doing things that we know we should be doing. There are vulnerable areas in our lives where we need to root ourselves in the Word of God and let His grace blow on us. Mark 14, 38. I found this interesting. A number of times... The Bible's advice for people who are struggling to stand up in the face of temptation, it simply says, watch, be alert, and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. God, help me not to fall into temptation today. Help me, God, not to fall. It sounds too simple. Surely there are elements that I need to break down and I need to structure my prayer. It just simply says, pray, so that you will not fall. Ask God, like we do in, in, the, in the Lord's Prayer. Let us not be led into, what is it? Lead us not into temptation. Yeah? I got it on my mind. Lead us not into temptation is a simple prayer, but a powerful prayer. The Bible says, pray and ask God simply that you will not fall into temptation. Lord, give me strength today. I thank you. The Bible says in other places that you'll not face temptation that is so strong that you can't withstand. So you know, whatever you face with the grace of God and his strength, you can get through it. 
but we need to ask God, involve him in that area of our lives. And the last area that I wanted to kind of highlight is triumphs. We've talked about tests, we've talked about trials, we've talked about temptations. There are times when things go so well in our lives and we get breakthrough and we find ourselves on the top of a mountain looking at the view around us, no clouds, bright sun, and we just think, God, we've arrived. You know? Even that is a point where we can fall and become a stumbling block for others. It's only by the grace of God that we ever get places like that. James says that God opposes, opposes the proud, but he gives more grace, more favor to the humble. And so I simply want to say anything good that happens in your life, anything good that you achieve as a believer, please don't fall into the temptation of thinking it's because of you. It's purely the grace of God. There's nothing special about us outside of the grace of God. And so be humble. Amen. Don't be a somebody. You know? You're a somebody because of Jesus. Not because you've got something wonderful that is outside of God's goodness. It's all because of his goodness. We're going to pray in a moment, but I really felt like there are a couple of areas that we should pray for. You know, God calls us to flourish like a palm tree in the midst of our storms. But I feel like maybe there's some people here today that you've been battered by the storms. And rather than think of yourself as a palm tree, you probably feel a little bit like a rock. You know, where the wind and the waves and the rain have battered you and are eroding you and you feel hard. Paul finishes his passage here about how he's calling the Corinthians to be open-hearted towards him, like he is towards them, you know? Sometimes going through the storms of life, we become closed-hearted. And we just stop trying, actually, to be the face and the hands and feet of Jesus because we've been battered and we've been bruised and we've retracted ourselves and we've become hard like a rock. I want to pray for you today. You might be here and think, I need that. I need the grace of God to refresh me. And I also felt like there's some people here who um, you have not really got any roots. You're not really rooted in the word. You're not really rooted in a church. Actually, you're more like a spiritual tumbleweed. You know, when the wind blows and a gust comes up, it just blows you on to another place. And I just feel like that isolates you and that minimizes the fruit that's going to grow in your life. God wants you to put down roots, to root yourself firmly in his word. Maybe it's because you doubt that God's word is even real. Maybe that's what's causing you to be a bit of a tumbleweed. Maybe you've just been hurt and the wind blows you on. Church is full of people like tumbleweeds who get blown from church to church to church. And I believe God's calling us to rise above that. That's a natural tendency to run away. But I believe God wants us to grow through that 
actually look around us and tie ourselves into people. You know, when you fight with family, they're still your family. When you fall out with your family, they're still your family. And because they're your family, you work that much harder to make the relationship work. Some families don't happen like that, unfortunately. But I believe that's what God calls us to. And I believe he wants you to be rooted. Wherever that is, you need to root yourself in. And you need to say, I'm in here for God's glory. I'm in here for his purpose. I'm in here for these people around me. I'm in here to see this family grow. I'm not just going to go where the wind blows. I really think some people think that sounds spiritual, but I don't believe you're going to be fruitful like that. You need to be tied in to a family, rooted into a home. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your rich grace. I pray, Lord, even in this moment, God, help us to hear what you're saying to each one of us. I pray that everything else will drown out or be drowned out by the sound of your voice, God. I pray for for oil, Lord, your spirit to soften our hearts, Lord, where we've become hard, where we've become defensive, where we've been bruised or battered, where we just are being eroded. Pray for your oil, Lord, oil of your spirit just to pour out on us now. Soften our hearts, Lord. Make us humble, Lord, I pray. Let your grace come, Jesus. Flood us, Lord, with your spirit and your grace. If that's you today, just want you to lay hold of that and believe that God's grace is sufficient for you right now. That his strength is made perfect in you acknowledging that you're at the end of your rope. Lord, I pray for folk here who kind of have a nomadic spirit where they can't be anywhere for a long period of time. Pray, Lord God, for your, your peace to break into their lives, Lord God your love and your affection to rest in them, Lord. Your grace to help them, Lord. Work through difficulties, relationships, whatever it is that they're facing, Lord. Help them, Lord, to push out deep roots, Lord God, into your word and into a body, into your house, God, so they can flourish in your courts, Lord God can be green and fresh, Lord. Pray that for all of us today, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I pray that no matter who we are, Lord God, that when the storms blow, your grace will uphold us, Lord that you'll help us to bounce back 
stronger and taller in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, for truth, Lord. We receive it today, Lord. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.